I am Plot on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. The Biting School's Ario Kakpur joins me again. He and his brother Arash Kakpur have a new production that will have its world premiere at the Cinematheque Tuesday the 10th of October. Alaska Ario, about suddenly slaughter, a cinematic response to their 2019 interdisciplinary stage performance of the same name. It's based on a prominent uh, Iranian play written in 1971 by the noted playwright Abbas Nalbandian. Suddenly this god-lover died in the love of God. Arya performs in the piece, and he also co-wrote it and directed it. We'll uh, talk about the themes in Suddenly Slaughter, like interpreting and reinterpreting art, how art that is considered foreign is received by an equally foreign audience. Visit bitingschool.com for tickets and information. Please uh, welcome back to the Plot Online program, Mario Kakpur. Mr. Kakpur, good morning. Hi, Joseph. Thank you very much for having me again. It's so nice to talk to you again. It's nice to talk to you. So um, how do I refer to Suddenly Slaughter? Is it a movie? Is it um, a film theater piece? Uh, how, how do you refer to it? Absolutely. I wonder about that myself. Uh, definitely, <laughs> this, is a, this is definitely a film at the moment. But this journey from the first time I saw it as a play reading, uh, I guess about 25 years ago, all the way till now, I've done so many different things with it. I have uh, read it in Farsi, I have translated it and had it play read uh, in, in English, and then we did a major production of it at Kush, and now it's a film. Right now, it's, it's a film, but heavily rooted in uh, the theater production of it. It's, in a way, it's about the making of that theater production. I see, and, and so um, when you... Uh, because you've lived with this for so long, um, I'm, I'm curious to know, what does it mean to you? I mean, this play by Abbas and Albandian, um, does it take on new meaning every time you, say, interpret it, reinterpret it, experience it even? Absolutely. That's an excellent question. Yes, it's, it's a very long relationship I've had with this, uh, with this material. The, um, the meaning, I, I still wonder what it means to me per se, but I, I do know that it brings so many different sensations, complexities to uh, where I come from and where I am and what I like and desires and the darkness uh, of myself and, and the world around me. Now, I know this is a vague general concept. I can get into more details. Specifically, this play has deep roots in uh, kind of street language and, and street culture of a specific part of Tehran, mm -hmm. uh, a lower class part of Tehran. But at the same time, it's uh, hyper poetic in other parts because it's uh, kind of there's an allegory of uh, uh, of the, uh, some kind of a major epic event uh, and martyrdom in the Iranian history, and kind of marriages these two and disconnects these two and other layers involved in it. So also, it's a kind of in a way unpacking of uh, the misogyny and, and and the darkness in that place. Uh, how people harm each other, and also how people love each other. So in so many ways, it's about many things that I feel connected to. So when this play was, was, uh, was I guess it was 1971 when, when, when the play was written or when it was, uh, when it was first staged, um, how was it regarded in, in Iran at the time? Uh, it was not accepted as uh, as much as I researched about this. It was not accepted per se. It, it was basically submitted to a fest like a playwriting festival, uh -huh. and the jury, who were prominent theater artists, they said, "Well, this is not a good play. This is not a play. Even the format of it is is pretty fragmented in a postmodern way." Uh -huh. And they were like, "This 
is not even a good place, so just discarding it. But one person on the jury is like, I, this is a good play, let's keep it in, and if you let me, I will direct it and show you how good it is. And uh, he ended up doing that. Uh, then, and, and that actually brought the play to, to Spotlight. I see. And, and so at that point and, and after um, the play's first production, how was uh, Nelbandian, how was he regarded in Iran? Uh, this is in the, in the 70s. I definitely wasn't alive. Uh, based on what I read, uh, he basically that, that group of people, which, uh, which they were called, they actually formed a group, uh, an experimental theater company called uh, Theater Workshop, uh-huh. actually, quote-unquote. And uh, they became uh, one of the uh, pioneers of experimental theater creation. It was like a compilation of multiple groups, uh, and uh, they would all help each other, actually support each other, and they became a hub in, in some ways. Uh, immediately after, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know slowly now Bandian wrote more and more plays, and people kind of uh, accepted that oh, his language and his way of uh, uh, theater making, yeah. but they stayed on a marginal experimental kind of, well, at the time we can call it avant-garde uh, uh, part of the theater creation in Iran and in the world, I think. Yeah, yeah they, were, they were connected to, they, later on the group worked with Peter Brook in, in Europe and they came to Iran. This is before the revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, um, so, so you weren't even born yet when, when, when all this happens, even, even, uh, even when he died, you were probably even born yet, because um, he died in the eighties. Um, how did you discover this? How did you how did you find this piece? Uh, I was basically I was like sixteen, seventeen. I even uh, talk about this in the film, uh, and uh, I uh, I was in a play reading, like a very small in a cafe in the, in the major theater uh, city theater in Tehran. I would at the time I would watch like I don't know four or five theater shows every day on a on a normal night you could have like i don't know 30 theater shows happening in town wow. so i was like absolutely obsessed uh this one i had no idea and i went to it but i was absolutely surprised how they were referring to certain uh religious uh, characters uh, uh martyrdom of imam hussein which i haven't seen so present in a play uh and also uh, characters being in love uh, uh erotically being attracted to each other in so many right and wrong ways, and I was absolutely in shock that this is happening in front of me. And in so many, in so, uh, so very strong ways also was connected to Iranian passion plays, which is a very old tradition, influenced many people like the Peter Brook and, and Grotowski and other theater uh, major icons. Uh, so the play was also playing with that kind of uh, performativity as well. So I just didn't know. I was like absolutely in, in absolute shock in that cafe as a 16-year-old. Yeah, it just sounds exciting uh, listening to you talk about discovering this and, and um, realizing what it's about and, and, and now considering how long uh, you've been thinking about it and now working with it even as a, as a primary text. Um, w- when you... Um, because I, I understand that the, the suddenly, suddenly slaughter also uh, depicts uh, what it's like for somebody to bring something considered foreign to a different audience, a new audience. Um, this is something that you've obviously experienced making this piece, right? Yes. Um, what is it like for you to say deal with? I mean, as someone who creates art, I don't think you you. Um, 
I mean, do you think about how an audience will, will receive it, and, and, and do you make concessions to, oh, I don't know, the, the, the language even or, or the, the, the society that, that it takes place in because you are in a different country even? Yes. Um, I would answer this a little bit more. I, I hope I don't sound too... Uh, yeah, well, I'll answer uh, here. This is, a, this is a very deep question for me. Absolutely, absolutely, because if I wanted to do this play in Iran... I had access to the to the religious connotations, social connotations, language, the poetry, the Persian poetry. Mm-hmm. When I do it here, I have none of those. And uh, in a in a brutal act, I was like, you know what? I would just deal with it uh, with the people that I have the support I have, which is my dear friends and colleagues, who very few of them are, are Iranian uh, and speak Farsi. So, and also as a testament to my displacement and juxtaposition. I was like, I would just do this very, very culture-specific play with nobody Iranian in it. So that's what we did at Push Festival in 2019, and we researched it, uh, uh, created it, and performed it with all non-Iranian actors and performers, and I was interested in exploring that gap. So when it reaches to the audience, also that gap is present. And uh, I personally, I'm quite a surrealist. I would like to understand myself as a, as a surrealist art maker and theater maker, also physical theater. I don't think everything happens in the linear narrative. So as a as an act of uh, deep engagement with the audience, I would like to be also uh, provide some ambiguity, if not much, uh, like a lot of ambiguity. Because I think in the ambiguity, uh, the audience can now agency and create their own narrative. Wow, that's incredibly powerful to consider uh, just as an audience member even. Um, what, what is it like for you in that gap, say, um, when this material takes on new meaning for non-Iranians and, and they tell you how they, how they feel or um, uh, what they think about what they're seeing? Um, that adds to your experience of this work, doesn't it? Absolutely. In a way, it becomes way bigger, of course, than me, because I'm, I'm very small anyway, but it really <laughs> becomes way way bigger than the performance. It becomes, like you would, would say, ideally, if a work of art is strong, you would create, in your mind, your own suddenly slaughter. And uh, yes, we have some uh, overlaps, but really you're creating your own. Because I, 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 I do this as kind of a, I'm taking refuge, because it's, absolutely impossible for me to articulate my identity, all the sensations I went through during the years to another human being. So even if that person is Iranian, my age, coming from the same part of the town, uh, I think communication, we take it for granted. It's absolutely almost impossible to communicate. So I always think about it, how magical and amazing, miraculous it is to even me saying a sentence and you understanding it. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, and 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 for that to happen in the theater, um, exactly, <laughs> that's all the more amazing and, and miraculous itself. Um, Ario, when when uh, people will see this on the big screen, as they will on, uh, at the Cinematheque on October tenth, um, what um, what is it like to see um, theater? Something that that was based in the theater, that was rooted in the theater, on the big screen. I mean, that must take on um, a, a, a visual dimension that's different Absolutely. altogether, right? Absolutely. So basically, I I've always loved cinema, 
equally in parallel with theater. But of course, I'm a, I'm a theater artist, and I have made video art and uh, short films as well, but nothing on the scale. This is like a 15-minute film, 5-0, uh -huh. and the biggest project I, I directed. Um, and uh, it was only possible because of the COVID and the Digital, uh, digital Now grant uh, from the county council. The idea was that for us to, not as theater artists, not to just fade away and die. <laughs> so they gave, uh, we got this grant. But then me and my colleagues and my mentors, we discussed it and we're like, well, we shouldn't be just making a tele-theater, which I love personally, yeah. but we should just make a film. So it's actually the medium is cinema. Uh, and then we started chatting with my uh, my brother, Arash, uh, co-creator of the theater show, and Arash was heavily involved in this, was also co-creation with him, and my uh, dear friend and mentor, Sharon Kahano, who became the producer of the film. And uh, we basically debated it, moved on to scripting with my uh, other dear friend, Majid Tehrani. And uh, this slowly, we basically, deep dramaturgical discussions, what are we making and what is this supposed to do? And uh, we ended up forming the narrative as a director, which I actually play, who's making this show and he's having... Um, hardship with communicating this to his cast and artists that he's working with. So nobody really understands this play here, and that's kind of the narrative of it. And visually, I, uh, I learned a lot in um, uh, creating cinema. Uh, it was a, I also directed another film this past year and a half, 20-minute uh -huh. film. So I really learned so much. I think I'm quite tired of learning. <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> long process. It was beautiful. So, yes, uh, inspired by all the filmmakers I loved all along the years, uh, the visual artists, and I basically created, in collaboration with Arash, Sharon, my cinematographer, everybody involved, the uh, designers, uh, the look for the film, which is heavily rooted in the, the shared aesthetics that we all have. When you, um, uh, because you obviously have a, a love of theater and a love of film, um, when you move between th th these various medias you do, um, it, it just seems, listening to you, um, an easy process. But d d does one inform the other? I mean, are, are you a better theater artist now because you, you have done some film work? Uh, I would say absolutely. I think uh, I, I was front of house manager for many years, uh, and I still like to identify as that, uh, uh -huh. and that informs my directing. Uh, I have been a laborer back in the day, and that informs my acting. They all absolutely uh, cross-pollinate. Uh, the uh, one thing, uh, the mediums, we can discuss this for hours. I would, I would love that. I specifically want to make this uh, distinction between how I identify as actor, director, and dramaturg. And that's another kind of categorization. All three inform each other in in very amazing way. But medium-wise, yes. I, I do theater, and then I'm like, ah, oh, this is so... It's not easy, actually. I'm like, ah, oh, this is so hard. It doesn't make money. It takes so much time. I should do film. And then we go do film, and like, oh, my God, I miss performance <laughs> and life. Like, and then we do it. And then I'm like, oh, I, I really envy the visual artists. They just make something and then leave it in the gallery and go home. I can never leave my performance. It's always in my mind. And um, I think this this is the mayhem of, uh, yeah, just being a <laughs> being an artist under capitalism and being an artist in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is this is so fun to, to talk to you because here you have um, 
uh, adapted a piece, written a piece based on something else. You're you're uh, acting in it. You're directing it. You're playing a director um, who is trying to get actors to to uh, you know in in this theater piece to to act this play out. Um, do, do you sometimes um, get the roles confused even? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. In fact, uh, a lot of the performance art pieces I like and video art pieces are working with this meta theatricality. And yes, no, I didn't mix them up. But now that you just unpacked this in front of me, maybe the next project is a podcast about an artist who's talking to an awesome <laughs> journalist. And, and we use some of these footage right now, the voices we recorded. It will be amazing. Um, what, what's to admire about you, Ario, and I've, ta- I've talked to you in the past, um, is you. You, you have such a love of the work that you do. And it is a struggle, isn't it, to make money in this, this world that we live in. Um, Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and we've just we've lived through a you know a harsh three or four years with the pandemic. Um, I'm sure there was doubt in your mind as to this life that you've chosen um, in 2023. Um, I, I don't see any doubt in, in in what you've decided to do with your life. I mean, this is something that you'll continue for the rest of your life, right? Mm. Thank you for your for, for your kindness. Uh, I'm. We have to acknowledge I'm a very bubbly and uh, social person uh, outside. But no, when I'm alone, I I have so much doubt. Uh, This is very hard, absolutely hard. Like there's a, I don't think it's a day passes by that you're like, why? Like, is there a way out? Uh Uh, But but then I think about that way out. But I'm like, but I love, uh, like, I, I don't think if I can find this depth of connection with the world anywhere else. So no, this is the answer. Is no, it's not actually that happy, and I'm constantly wrestling with it. And uh, specifically in Vancouver, is uh, proving to be harder and harder because yeah. um, it is important to to nurture like like gardening. We have to nurture artists like gardening, um, not like a trade. That and a lot of more and more we're seeing trade happening. Of course, the whole world. I'm not just saying Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but I do love it. I really am passionate. Like, I, like uh, the other day I was chatting with, I don't know, a friend, a therapist. I, I can't remember. But then I was like, um, and uh, they were like, so what do you want if you have no financial need right now? Like, no problem. What would you do? I'm like, well, I would actually do the same thing. I won't change it. It's just that it's uh, so almost impossible sometimes to make it happen, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, like a lot of people in this town, I hope you keep at it and you, you stay here and, and you continue to do what you love because it, uh, as a result, a lot of people will in turn love the work that, that you do. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Um, what's next for you after after this the, this film screens at the Cinematheque? Uh, next, there are uh, multiple other projects. I'm very fortunate that way and privileged. I'm very grateful. There's a, there's a performance we're premiering in November, late November, called Zahok the Serpent King. And that's a performance at Annex um, in, uh, in uh, co-presentation with New Works. And that's basically a physical theater dance, again, a surrealist performance, uh, live performance. And uh, I'm going to figure out distribution of these two films, this film suddenly, and another film I created with my uh, partner, a film about a uterus, that's what it's called, uh-huh. and uh, other projects. 
There's another one about a uh, about a cow. Like we have all these projects that we ha have to get to it, and um, uh, basically, and that's the whole year I have in front of me. But immediately, the premiere of Zahak the Serpent King, absolutely. Yeah. So the, that's the annex. That's the the thing next to the Orpheum, right? Yes, yeah. yes, that's the venue. Yeah, so people yeah. can look that up uh, online. Um, but but until then, October 10th at the Cinematheque, we urge people to, to go there and see Suddenly Slaughter. Uh, Ario, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you again, and I look forward to keeping in touch with, with everything that you're doing in, in the future. All the best. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure and honor to talk to you. Thank you, Joseph. Suddenly Slaughter has its world premiere Tuesday night, the 10th of October at the Cinematheque. Aryo Kakpur, one of its performers, one of its writers, and uh, its director, join me on the line from here in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Plato.